Sanbonanonke, my name is Andrew Levy. Welcome to the show. It has just gone uh, 9 o'clock on a beautiful Friday morning. Thank you so much to Gareth and the crew. Back again Monday morning, 6 till 9. Good luck to Gareth for his three-kilometer run. You should see how much he is stressing. It's actually really, really funny. I'm sure he'll be okay, though. Uh, Today we are talking Global Entrepreneurship Week. It has been going on this entire week. I've never quite understood the concept. What is the week about? Is it supposed to help entrepreneurs? Is it supposed to... Uh, effects change. We're going to find out exactly what the story is. We've got some really, really hardcore entrepreneurs in studio as well. Uh, these guys have been rocking and rolling for a little while now. They're going to tell us uh, about how they started, a little bit of their faults, a little bit of their joys, their wins, and uh, we're just going to have a little bit of fun on the show. So join us as we take you through one hour of entrepreneurial ability and shine. And if anyone is worried that the African continent is dark because Bob Geldof said so, then you have to listen to the show because it is going to blow your mind. Let's rock and roll into the show with uh, some very, very cool tracks. Uh, this is one of my personal favorites. It's slightly old, but it's such a cool Friday song. Good morning to you. It is Cliff Central. My name is Andrew Levy. You can follow the show at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y on Twitter, at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y at Twitter, or you can phone in 0861-555-189. Give us your thoughts on entrepreneurial abilities.
you have to, you just have to love the song. You have to bop your head. I don't care how old it is. It's just so cool. Daft Punk around the world for a Friday morning. Beautiful way to start the show. You're listening to uh, Andrew Levy on the Konza Show on cliffcentral.com. We're talking uh, entrepreneurship and, of course, the Global Entrepreneurship Week Festival uh, 2014 has been happening throughout uh, this week in all sorts of uh, different parts of the country, uh, ranging from Santon, Maboneng to uh, Kharankua, there was something. There's been uh, an estimated 5,000 visitors um, to Johannesburg events specifically. And we've got uh, the creative director of uh, the Hookup Dinner. He's been uh, busy very, very busy sorting out all sorts of things throughout the week on uh, Global Entrepreneurship Week. His name is uh, Bernard Moshabane. He is the creative director of the Hookup Dinner. Bernard, tell us a little bit. Good morning, firstly, before we get into anything. You know, it is a Friday morning. You're looking a little bit Friday out. I can see you've got that Friday look on your face. The sooner this Friday comes to end, the sooner my weekend begins. So yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bernard, um, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in Global Entrepreneurship Week. So, the GW is a global uh, phenomena where the world kind of stands still for a week to celebrate entrepreneurs. And it's a platform that gives um, stakeholders alike from uh, private sector to public sector to come on board and really um, come around uh, the table to collaborate around what they're doing to ensure the support and development of entrepreneurs. So what we went and done as the organizers of the Hookup Dinner was actually launch um, the first uh, event which actually ran across five days in 2013 um, dedicated to celebrating Global Entrepreneurship Week and we activated Entrepreneurship Daily bringing in um, key stakeholders to actually come in and actually say this is what our institution does, this is how we support entrepreneurs, this is how we give them the platform, this is how we um, ensure that somehow we're giving them the support that they need to access markets, financing, information incubation, development across the board and we've run it for the second year this year in Mabone where we had our partners, our strategic partners, Standard Bank. The oh, hunting. just put them all out there. Put them all out there. <laughs> go, go. Be a brand well, hall there. Well, yeah. let's, 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 let's be real. The guys here who put the check downs are the one who actually give us the platform <laughs> to actually put this together. So we have to do this. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's actually been more than just, uh, a, a generic sponsorship. It truly has been a partnership. Um, we, they've come behind us and they've really showcased in terms of how they could, uh, give our entrepreneurs, um, the exposure and actually the opportunity to, um, you know, really get the 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 the, the support from from the corporate world. Um, Standard Bank has really come on board and and flown the entrepreneurship flag high there for us, as well as the Gauteng Entrepreneurial Propeller, the Ministry of Small Business, the IDC, um, a bunch of corporates truly have a really whole come bunch on board. of acronyms yes. there. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so, Benny, before you know, just to to give everyone insight, we're talking entrepreneurship and uh, the Global Entrepreneurial Week 2014 has been happening. Um, there are still a few events happening uh, over the week, and I think the weekend in some parts of Bramfontein as well. Um, but throughout the show, we're speaking to some hardcore entrepreneurs. Uh, we've got them in studio at the moment, and we wanted to do something very quickly as well throughout the show. We've got a whole bunch of quotes here. Uh, you know those quotes that uh, some leader said somewhere, and you're like, oh, wow, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be so amazing and say things like that. Well, we're going to ask you guys, the entrepreneurs in the studio, to bring them into your conversation somehow. So throughout the time that we're speaking to you, you've got to bring them in somehow. Uh, we've got uh, 
two amazing guys standing by. Um, unfortunately, women not represented here, but we will figure that out. Um, so just choose about three each quotes and then pass it on as we as we're talking to you. Uh, we've got uh, Bernard uh, Moshabani. He is the creative director of something called the Hookup Dinner. They've been the primary sponsors behind the Global Entrepreneurship Week 2014. <coughs> Bernie, let's just talk about your own business here, the the Hookup Dinner. Tell us a little bit about what the Hookup Dinner is and you know why you started it and what you want to achieve by it and you don't have to say all of your amazing uh, quotes straight off the bat so what the hookup dinner is is and uh, just to um come in there and just give you a bit more of a background i'm one of six startups who actually work on the hookup dinner okay and um the hookup dinner was founded by a gentleman by the name of lebu aka dr life's good and he essentially was looking for a a platform, a feeding ground which entrepreneurs could come together and you know they say alcoholics go to AA, entrepreneurs come to the hookup dinner. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was And then they go to the AA afterwards <laughs> because they've got a bit of a drink. Okay, no, yeah, good, 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 good. We all have our yeah, our, our, our vices. vices. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but nonetheless, um we were looking for we were looking for a space where you could actually just come down unsuited Un, un, unscripted, uh, very, very, uh, free flow and actually just vent and be, um, be, actually be able to answer the question and say, when somebody asks you how's business, tell the truth, you know, be honest, be upfront and say, I've actually had a tough week. And, uh, what this actually has, uh, almost molded into as a network of entrepreneurs across South Africa who are actually looking for opportunity or who, who are looking for content that is actually something they could feed into their businesses. And, um, so just, uh, going back a bit to the hookup dinner is a team of six startups across the country who come together monthly, um, to put together some great speakers, to put together, um, some great pitches. We have a pitching element of the night and um yeah i mean in terms of what the hookup dinner where the hookup dinner is going we're taking it into africa we've just launched it in kenya we've launched it in rwanda we're planning on going into west africa next year as well and yeah it's it's, it's actually just a network with a goal of reaching a million entrepreneurs by 2020 wow. and yeah giving these guys access to the corporate world all right listen to the show right now how do i get in, in touch or involved with the hookup dinner well, we actually have an event tonight that's taking place at the Open in Maboneng. All you have to do is RSVP, send through your details, your details, your email address, as well as your Twitter handle through to thehookupdinner at gmail.com. You can also check us out on www.thehookupdinner.com, as well as follow us on Twitter at thehookupdinner. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> quite straightforward. a PR whore. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Global Entrepreneurship Week, it, it comes at a... For me, a weird time. November 21st is today. People are tired. It's been a long year for specifically entrepreneurs. Um, have you found that you had good feedback uh, from the week? Did you find that it was uh, a lot of people attended, that, that it was well, you know, there was a lot of thought gone into it, that, that people actually engaged with the content? Well, we actually had some of the best content, I think, out there in terms of um, offering entrepreneurs something to listen to. We had Vusi Temaguayo come on board yesterday, who's one of the dragons, and um, he was speaking about fail fast, fail forward, but fail cheaply. And that was very much based at on the, on, on the format that 
as an entrepreneur, you're bound to go through your ups and downs. And if you were to, if you were to, um, put this side by side in terms of a, a, a professional, a working class professional and the trajectory that they go about in terms of their, their career, entrepreneurs tend to have a more, uh, up and down flow, whereas the, 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 the professionals have the steady incline. But, as you as as you tend to look at the trend uh, with the with the growth uh, trajectory of an entrepreneur, the the gaps between their falls and highs become shorter and shorter, and that's from the lessons that they learn mm. and and paying your you school fees exactly essentially you know because the funny thing about entrepreneurship is that it's a lot of the time it's looked at as the way out the quick win to um, a quick success and it's actually the opposite it's about how much tenacity how much persistence how how long can you keep that one goal in mind and get towards there and i think what the content engagement was about the entire week was just about finding out who's there and who's relevant to you as an entrepreneur make sure that you actually are servicing someone who is actually in need of your value that you're not just throwing something out there waiting to be caught you know so yeah i i generally do believe that especially with our engagement online i think the conversation has been quite big um we've had about three million impressions uh, on our twitter alone that's not even facebook so i think the conversation is there it's going hard and uh, guys are engaging i i, I generally believe it's been a, a success all right. Well, if you you want to find out more details about uh, GW 2014 or the hookup dinner, we have put those details online right now on Twitter at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y. At Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y, you can find out what the details are. As uh, Bernard said, they are having an event tonight. So uh, if you do want to join them in Mabaneng, if you are in the Johannesburg area, you've got to go check this stuff out. It is wicked. What is it? One million entrepreneurs by 2020. Wow. You guys? Whew. That is big, big stuff, man. That is big stuff. We're hanging out with some cool entrepreneurs on the Konza Show, 9 to 10 on cliffcentral.com. If you've just joined the show, welcome to it. Get your questions in, 861 
Oh man, this just takes you back, doesn't it? It's just so, so cool. Rudimental. Uh, how cool were they in Johannesburg and Cape Town when they came to South Africa? It is such an amazing South African uh, Friday song, I think. You know, it's just it's summer outside. We're happy. It's awesome. Uh, welcome to Cliff Central. If you've just joined us, it is Friday. We are talking entrepreneurs, and in studio at the moment we have some very, very cool people. Um, we're going to be uh, giving them a little bit of a, a challenge as well. We've got a whole bunch of quotes that they have to bring into the conversation, just as in Je, you know, um, a whole bunch of uh, really rad quotes from from awesome leaders and entrepreneurs throughout uh, throughout history, and they've got to bring them out into conversation as they would in normal normal just talking manner. Um, joining me now. Is is a, a gentleman by the name of J.J. Meyer. He uh, owns a company called Biella. Jay, good morning to you. Tell us a little bit about Biella. What do you do in South Africa? Hey, Andrew. Um, Biella is an urban solutions company, and um, I'd rather say organization. There's a lot of people involved. And uh, we, we operate in, in Joburg CBD, um, and essentially, we, we look to make um, a positive impact on the city. And, uh, and obviously, there's, there's a lot of work to be done in a place like Johannesburg. So urban solutions, I mean, that sounds like a lot of jargon for me. Break it down. What exactly is it a day-to-day looking like for Jay Meyer? Um, so, so just, c- come, just come a little closer to the mic because we can't so, hear you. So, so cities are obviously very complicated things. Um, so there's a lot that goes into urban solutions, and we're not saying that we're going to solve all of them. Uh, but essentially, urbanization themes are what we're interested in. So globally, there's a lot going on, and I think it's a very unique time in, in human history where we have this phenomenon of urbanization that we've never experienced before. Um, so currently we have about 2 billion people in, in high-density urban centers, and that's going to double by 2050. So historically we've never experienced such a paradigm. And however we've settled in the past and created cities is not going to work in the future. Um, and that's really where our story begins, um, is, to, is to figure out how we're going to settle successfully as human beings in these uh, urban centers and what makes um, a positive living experience because what we've seen from poor poor planning or lack of implementation or, or poor decision-making around cities is that we actually exacerbate problems of, of human beings living in, in, in dense uh, arrangements. Like Santon, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Santon's not that dense. <laughs> But I think, I mean, it's a good point. You know, we, we saw in the late 90s a big disinvestment, specifically in, in Johannesburg CBD, um, a, a move of the big corporates away from uh, Joburg CBD to, to Santon. And now it's weird because people call the CBD and people think it's Santon. I'm like, that's absolute rubbish. It's, it's Joburg. There's so much infrastructure in Joburg city center. How do we reuse that? How do we get back to that? Because that really talks to your arterial roots. We have the infrastructure. We have the buildings, supposedly. I mean, do we have the buildings? Maybe that's the question where we should start. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's not a unique phenomenon to South Africa or Johannesburg. Um, we've seen we've seen inner city degradation over all over the world. So New York in the late 80s, pick a city, it's happened. And and I think that's that's also a useful thing to know. Uh, when one looks at Johannesburg and what its potential is um, and, and where we are in that, 
in that cycle. So, you know, Santon, when you refer to it as the CBD, I mean, that's central business district. So, obviously, um, when when companies and, and, and business organizes itself in a, in a district fashion, then you start to call it the CBD. But I think your point is valid that um, the Johannesburg Central um, has an infrastructure that's almost not replicatable. We couldn't build that right now um, in any kind of meaning, any meaningful way. Um, so I think that there's 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 a great opportunity to to answer your question. There, of course, the, the stock um, in terms of, of built environments exists there. Um, so so absolutely, there's that's the place to look. All right, we've got a, a caller online, 0861-555-189. If you uh, want to discuss anything with the entrepreneurs that we have in studio at the moment, um, we are speaking about entrepreneur entrepreneurship. You see, I'm scared to say that word because I'm worried that uh, I'm going to get wrong. But, um, JJ, a lot of discussions, before we get to the caller quickly, a lot of discussions around... The word is gentrification. It's not a nice word, but there's a, there's a lot of stigma around it. Gentrification in uh, in South Africa, in this um, Johannesburg specifically, we look at what's happening in Bramfontein right now. Um, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, a lot of people are moving back to Joburg." No, there people been living in Joburg the entire time. You know, it's just a lot of white people now moving back to Joburg. What are your thoughts on on this movement in Bramfontein and uh, and Maboneng specifically around? people moving back into the city well interesting of course certain words um get loaded over time uh the word gentrification where when it, f- it first started to to be used actually was a positive word <laughs> and um and it it alluded to to positive effects uh in in the built environment so often around uh regeneration activity so i think where where things go awry and 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 uh, what i was alluding to earlier is that the future of, of cities um, globally is is going to be a challenge, and we we cannot apply uh, very linear solutions to complex problems. So I think where the negative effects of gentrification start to take hold is when um, practitioners, planners, policymakers don't uh, don't orchestrate all the moving parts of a city, um, and that includes um, that includes uh, creating integration across income groups, for example. So the, the problem with gentrification uh, in the negative sense and not in the positive, and let's just remember that it also has a positive connotation, um, is, is when, uh, you know, when I think resourced decision makers or policy makers uh, do not take into account the, the full complexity of, of a city and all its users. And so obviously, uh, you know, Investment and and development uh, decision makers are able to influence uh, uh, outcomes and implementation in the city, and and that that can often be at the at the peril of mm. the muted voices in a city um, who who don't have the mm. resources to um, you know talk up, yeah, um, or to to influence transactions, for example, mm, yeah, and uh, and I think that that's the that's a misnomer as well, and it's a missed opportunity because. Ultimately, um, if you if you look at our income sections, the lower income 
uh, owners of of any any city are the significant members. Yep. So that's very important. Cool. Okay, we've got a, a call on the line oh eight six one five 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 one eight nine. If you want to talk to any of the entrepreneurs that are in studio with us, of course we're talking Global Entrepreneurship Week. We decided to get some hardcore entrepreneurs in studio. We're going to ask them about some of the perils of being an entrepreneur in just a little bit. Uh, we've got a caller, Nathan from Johannesburg. You want to speak to to JJ? Good morning to you, Nathan. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Good, good, good. What's your question to uh, to JJ? To JJ, just um, JJ, you spent a lot of time in Joburg, and obviously you've been doing business there for quite a long time. Um, what do you think? What is your vision for Joburg? What do you think the city can be? Uh, how far away are we from that? And what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that Johannesburg is facing in getting there? All right, Nathan. Thank you so much. So I think I mean his line was pretty bad, but I think he was asking. You know, what is your vision? What do you think your vision for Joburg is? How far away are we and what do we need to do to get there? That's a great question, uh, Nathan. And I think, I think that's the, the topic of entrepreneurship is very relevant to the answer. Um, because in terms of, I'll start at the end of your question, which is the future of Johannesburg. And I think the future of Johannesburg has to, um, has to be very innovation-centric. So that means a lot of entrepreneurial thinkers. Um, that means that to to reach that end, I think where we need to begin is is to create a a young, uh, influential base of implementing people like entrepreneurs. So so people that are going to approach a city without the old ways of how cities should run um, or how things should play out and and how to solve these problems, uh, because as we grow and Johannesburg is growing. Um, then these problems are just going to be compounded. Mm. Um, so the the other parts of Nathan's question, I think, in terms of my vision for it, um, I think Johannesburg is probably the most exciting city in the world to be a it practitioner. It is, isn't it? It's like flipping unbelievable. Yeah. Like a lot of people aren't interacting with Johannesburg Central, for example, and I think that that's where the, there's the vibe, there's the yeah. light, the energy. Yeah. So, so – about five, six years ago, um, I, I was actually living abroad and I returned back to South Africa and Johannesburg specifically because I just felt it was the epicenter of being anyone for anyone who would relate to built environment in any way. Um, so whatever that means for you. And, and the reason is because you have a very unique uh, set of ingredients. You have starting with South Africa being this, this, uh, this African uh, powerhouse or at least a gateway to Africa and so in terms of what's happening globally Africa is very exciting so that's the first point the second point is Johannesburg has an incredible infrastructure especially downtown Joburg so um, regardless of the fact that it may be derelict or has gone through that transitional phase that many cities have gone through um, all the all the components are there so we, we have this amazing, amazing built environment to 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 get involved with. And the third point is that uh, South Africa specifically has a great um, in entrepreneurial environment. It's very conducive uh, to, to, to having an idea, um, backing yourself and, and going, and people mm. not looking at you like you're mad. Um, <laughs> and, and half of our problems are actually opportunities. So where, where we have a lack of public sector intervention, that's just an opportunity for private sector private sector intervention mm. um, in terms of problem solving and, and making things work. So 
that's uh, that's how to answer. Cool. That. We're speaking to JJ Meyer. He is uh, head of Biala, um, and he calls himself an urbanist, looking at changing neighbourhoods across inner city Johannesburg uh, through urban hardware and urban software. Very very cool. If you want to follow him, uh, you can check out the link. Uh, we've just posted it on our Twitter at Yebo underscore L E V Y. There's a link to Biala and what they're doing. Some very cool stuff in inner city Johannesburg. We're going to find out a little bit more about the trials and tribulations that he went through as well. Very serious in the studio today. You can see that these entrepreneurs take themselves very seriously, uh, but we thought we'd lighten it up with a little bit of rocket.
I think as an entrepreneur, you just need this song on repeat sometimes, eh? because you just need to feel like rocking. Oh, running up those stairs. Uh, we're talking entrepreneurship in studio in the Konza Show on this beautiful Friday, 9, uh, 9.39. Uh, we've been speaking to Jay Meyer, uh, Bernie Moshabane, and now we're speaking to Klee Raulek. Have I got that right, Klee? Almost, yeah. How, cl- how close or far was I there? Not as close as you were a few <laughs> seconds ago. Right? Just get the I, I gotta, I gotta tell you guys, I've, uh, I've, I've known, uh, Klee for, for quite a, a long time and, um, and I, I butcher his name absolutely every time. And you must understand, it's really hard to be, <laughs> to, to be afraid with a guy that you can't even pronounce a name. Excuses, but anyway, excuses. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Klee, tell us, you run a, uh, an incredible, incredible organization. Um, We've been seeing in Johannesburg specifically and, and around the country problems of, of energy, um, of, of light. You know, there's been all these power outages. Um, the grid has been overused. You know, the Department of Energy is telling us there's all sorts of problems. Um, and you and uh, a few of your colleagues have really stepped up to the plate here and, and asked some serious questions. What are you guys up to? Thanks, Andrew. Uh, so I'm one of the five founders of Billy Green Energy. And we're an independent power producer that basically develops, owns, and operates renewable energy and non-renewable power through billion natural energy. So we've been operating in the Southern African space for the past five years. And ultimately, we're here to build what should be a credible alternative to ESCOM over the next 20 to 30 years. So what does that look like? I mean, that that sounds, uh, I can see your bio is quite impressive, Klee. Um, and, and for those who can't pronounce like me, just call him G. But uh, um, y- you've worked at some pretty hardcore places, uh, JP Morgan to be exact, uh, you know, a finance background. You talk uh, a lot of stuff. What does that mean? Like, what are you creating? Okay. So, I mean, in, in, in essence, when, and I'll talk a bit to some of Jay, JJ's world here. I mean, hmm. when you're an independent power producer, you're in essence uh, starting from as early as Greenfield's phase where you're developing, albeit a solar plant or wind farm, and your initial steps would be trying to source for an ideal location, be it in the Western Cape if it's wind, uh, Northern Cape if it's solar, negotiating with your farm owners for land lease options, and you basically then get into a period of about a year to two, maybe three years of actually analyzing the resource in the particular area, be it solar or wind, and you start modeling what potential energy outputs you can get from a specific region. Critically, though, is to ensure that wherever you'd want to build your design plant, uh, you've got great grid connection. You know, one of the biggest costs involved in um, building a power plant is, is, in essence, connecting to the national grid. And the critical thing for that is, as you may or may not know, ESCOM's the sole provider as mm. things stand of electricity, but more, which is being liberalized at the moment. That's why you have players such as ourselves. But what ESCOM still holds as a monopoly is the actual distribution of electricity. So every independent power producer, especially if you're creating electricity at utility scale, we have to connect onto ESCOM's national grid. So we kind of have to work around ESCOM's uh, basic framework and infrastructure. Now, gee, what you're saying is absolutely phenomenal. And, and Jay, I think to your point as well, like 
these aren't small businesses. You know, like when I think entrepreneurship, I'm thinking I'm just going to, I've got a really cool shirt design. I'm going to quickly put up something and sell four shirts and, and make a little bit of money. I mean, we're talking multi, multi million rand business here to, to get this thing up and running. Gee, how did you get into this? What was the thought process behind renewable energy and, and wanting to actually make a change in the space? Yeah. I think, I mean, the, and if you speak to any one of the five founders, you'll get a common theme in the story, but different avenues as to how we actually got around the table together. I mean, behind all of us, the biggest thing that drove us was the need to try effect structural change in South Africa and the continent. And being a former investment banker, I spent a lot of years financing infrastructure projects, doing valuations, modeling. And I had a good opportunity to evaluate and look at lots of industries. And my my need to try implement structural change, in essence, coincided quite well with the growth of a new industry being renewable energy. I mean, early in the early days of 2008 and 2009, when we were all feeling the need to resign from our from our places of employment. (laughs) (laughs) I will talk about that, yes. Yeah, uh, the biggest thing, I mean, that biggest evaluations we were running through and that I was running through is how best do I take what I've learned over these past eight years of investment banking, throw it into a new economy or a new industry, but at the back of it all, create jobs. You know, I, I went through a period where I was at the bank and I would look around and I, I was firmly of the view that corporate South Africa has done a very good job in hiring, training, and empowering people. You know, what the missing link is, is in actually having all of those people who've now gone through a detailed program of being skilled in a corporate sense to actually be bold, step out there, and try to uh, blow a dent into our unemployment rate and put more lights on. I'm, I'm listening to, to you and I'm, I'm blown away, uh, in a sense, because there's no ways that I would have even come close to any kind of ideating like this. Um, G, in terms of where you're going and in terms of where Pellegrine Energy is going, what is, what is the ultimate goal? And if, and if you do have questions for, for any of the entrepreneurs, 0861-555-189 at yebo underscore L-E-V-Y or at cliffcentral.com. Uh, we've got details of all the entrepreneurs. Um, and we just posted a, a, a link to Pellegrine Energy. You can check out a little bit what they're doing. But gee, where, where's this going? Uh, Andrew, thanks for that. I mean, ultimately, we, we're in a very long-term uh, infrastructure game. I mean, the average life of each of our power plants is 20 years. So we've, we've got a very long-term view on the sector. Uh, all five of the founders are still very young. I mean, the youngest of our founders is 20 years, 29 years old. So we've got <laughs> at least 40 years or 50 to give to the space. And we've got a clear mandate in that ESCOM cannot be the sole provide of electricity. Mm. Uh, the Department of Energy and the national government has made it clear that we need strong alternative producers of power. And we see Billy Green Energy as one of those strong alternatives. Uh, and call it in the next 20 years, uh, I'm hoping we'd be having a conversation around is Billy Green Energy the number one or number two independent power producer on the continent? Mm. Wow. I mean, <clears throat> all these stories that have been shared today have been quite, quite unbelievable, um, in such different ways. Um, I think the one interesting thing about that, that links everyone and, and guys, please do come in here is this idea of not waiting for government or blaming government for 
the problems that they face and the challenges that they face because they are immense, but actually trying to help and make a difference uh, through the private sector and not being like, well, because they're not doing anything, we're going to have to step in. It's like, actually, we want to make a difference to make South Africa great. I mean, gee, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think that um, giving or producing energy so that ESCOM doesn't have to is a way out or is it, is it just a, another alternative? I mean, just, just firstly, you know, I mean, Andrew, I, 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 I am at times critical of government, but being uh, an independent power producer, specifically within renewable energy, I'm the first to acknowledge the tremendous, tremendous industry and world-leading policies and procedures that this current government has put in place. I mean, if you ask any country that develops or generates renewable energy, mm. they'll tell you that South Africa's the, the place. South Africa's yeah. the number one. Absolutely. Uh, we're building pl- power plants bigger than, on average, any European country does. Uh, we directly comparable with the sizes of power plants that are being built in North America and in China. You know, and, and in the way that the South African government is procuring and buying power from independent power producers, we're the leader in the world, you know. So, I mean, I, 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 I firmly agree that we, we as entrepreneurs and everyone sit, seated here around the table, no one's sitting back and relying on the state to, to do anything. I think the state's there to merely facilitate a broad framework, and it's up to the entrepreneur to be innovative and work around the state's frailties if you see any, but mostly take advantage of the opportunities that are created. You know, albeit, and I'll, again, I'll reference Jay's uh, world here, place like Joburg Central CBD, I mean, that's a land of opportunity. That infrastructure is there, and one must just leverage their ability to 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 enhance what's already there okay so we put up a, a link to an article that was written a few days ago around a four-day climate change conference that happened uh, very recently i think last week in midrand and uh, south africa 2030 looks like this coal power stations will be turning off and renewable energy will be powering a third of the national grid Nuclear and renewable energies together will provide half the power. This is not a dream or some kind of ideal. This is actually in government's energy plans. They are actively working towards this. It's a phenomenal space to be in, very, very exciting renewable energy. And it's so exciting to have young, as you say, entrepreneurs involved. Guys, I want to talk to all of you now. I'm going to open it up a little bit. Uh, We've heard about the amazing businesses that you guys all run. Um, Tell us the biggest stuff up that you've ever had in your business? What was it? How did it happen? And what was the learning from it? Bernie, maybe we'll start with you, um, since you've been just quietly admiring there. What's been your biggest stuff up and what's been the biggest learning? I think um, with uh, entrepreneurs in general, in terms of where we see ourselves when we're starting out is, you know, you, you jump in with all of this energy and excitement and you think that the world is yours to conquer and you go for the deals, you you put the proposals together, but you never really uh, are aware of internally whether you're ready for the, whether your capacity is ready rather to take on some of the work that you do. And I just think um, on my part, I could definitely say uh, a stuff up was uh an event that I'd put together down in Cape Town for uh one of um my clients from Ghana and there was a no show. So I had about <laughs> I had about a room oh, of no, four hundred people waiting to see uh a Ghanaian superstar come in there 
And I had to go in there and, and wing it. You know, wing <laughs> <laughs> the show must go on. Um, well, at least it wasn't the other so, way around. At least you didn't have right? the Ghanaian superstar and no one listening to him. That would have probably been worse. Jay, one of your biggest stuff ups. I mean, what is what has it been? Um, so failure is, I think, an interesting concept for an entrepreneur. It's, it's somewhat part of the game and it's right. it's somewhat um, <laughs> embraced. Um, so it's very much like finding 10,000 ways to how something doesn't work instead of one way. Well done there, Joe. Are you putting Ed- your quotes in there? That's good. I think Very Thomas nice. Edison said that. I think. We, we gave our entrepreneurs the, the task of putting in a whole bunch of leadership and entrepreneurship quotes. Jay's just put one in. Thank you, JJ. Appreciate That's, it. Good uh, on. Um, I, I'm going to say actually my failure, my biggest failure was not being an entrepreneur. Um, was was when I kind of changed course, and I think I think once you know who you are, um, all this was part of discovering it was that's that's probably my biggest failure because I I changed course and and I I, I try to fit a, a mold that I wasn't, which I'm a terrible employee, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's just because of your it's your makeup and your and your character, so. Of course, um, I can't. There's not a single business that doesn't have its challenges that won't trip and fall. Um, and so, in terms of stuff ups, I don't think any of those things are stuff ups. And those are one of the, you know, that's one of the features that that you commit to that comes with mm. with um, being an entrepreneur and, and being accountable. So, I, I really think that for for two years, I kind of left the world of entrepreneurship. I was very unhappy. Um, and, and and that's probably my biggest failure because mm. I wasn't learning, I wasn't making the mistakes during that period, um, which would obviously shape me for for what I, I needed to do later. Um, so, yep, that would be my comment. G? Nice one, Jay. Uh, and again, I'll try not paraphrase some of what Jay's done, but he threw in a lot of good wisdom there. I mean, my, my take on failure, and I was actually trying to isolate it to a few events. Firstly, I mean, in an entrepreneur's world, failure is a great thing. You know, without that, you're seldomly learning. So I, I, I'd love to say I haven't had any failures because I'd define a failure some a point where I'd walk away and do something else. You know what I mean? I don't know who who said this about falling seven times and <laughs> standing up on the eighth time. You know, so I'll try sneak that in there. But. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I go through daily failures. Uh, the biggest one, if I have to try isolate an incident, would be actually I, I'll give you two. Uh, about three years ago, our first private equity offer came to the table. Uh, again, three years ago, we things were a lot more bleak. The industry wasn't as developed, and for some reason, we were negotiating too hard uh, over valuation, over the direction which we felt this prospective investor would come and. We literally spent too much time at the table, and he walked away. Hmm. You know, at that point, three years ago, not much of a salary coming in. We felt the world was doomed. You know, we stand here today. The world's not that great, but we're more hopeful. You know, we we definitely aren't in a worse off place. In fact, that same investor came back to the table and had to throw in an offer which was considerably a lot higher. You know, so yeah, failure is something that I think every entrepreneur enjoys at. As long as you're breathing, you can stand up and you can keep going. So, so a lot of people are listening and, and they probably haven't started a humongous renewable energy company or an urban solution or a gathering of millions of entrepreneurs. But what was the first thing you guys actually did as an entrepreneur? Like, I want to hear the first business that you actually 
decided to run at what age and what was it? I mean, it probably wasn't as glamorous as it is now, but what was it? Just give me a sense. Um, Where did it start? In the first business, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. Still uh, in the first business. So I've been running my PR agency for two years now and um, comes coming from a sales background, I knew that it was going to be an automatic jump. Um, success is how high you bounce after you hit bottom. So I knew that after I got fired from my last job. These <laughs> <laughs> awesome <there was>, employees. <laughs> uh, this was a uh, natural, uh, you know, assumption. It was, uh, uh, the business was, was just, it's, it's all I know, essentially. So I didn't really have much of an option of what else I, I, I could naturally gravitate towards. So, I mean, in terms of uh, where this business is going, I am looking at it an exit. I, mm. I don't see myself in it, um, you know, as a lifelong business. But it's, it's, it's about the team that I can set up. We do have uh, pan-African ambitions and potentially within the next five to ten years, yeah, uh, I do right. see myself in new a new game. Jay, first business you ever ran? First business, wow. Um, geez, I'm well, not first business, first idea that you actually thought, okay, let me try and do something about it. I mean, how it. far do we go back? I used to sell good behavior to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> what so a kid, eh? Oh, may, my maybe goodness. Maybe that doesn't count. Um, so, somewhere where I had a first employee, maybe it's... Let's put it there. And, and that was at about age 19, 20 um, in varsity, starting a little uh, a little uh, CMT business, which is cut, make, trim, um, making fashion items. Yeah. Right. G? I mean, again, you know, my, my, my response to this is I'm reminded uh, some uh, very shy person said, I'm not a businessman, <laughs> I'm a businessman. Uh, I think his name's Sean Carter, Jay-Z. I'm not sure who he is. But, I mean, I, I think I'm a slightly different entrepreneur. You know, I, I've i always been certain that the corporate world wasn't the way I was going to, in essence, reach my peak. But I was also completely aware that I'm not going to run around creating mm. 10 or hundreds of different ideas, you know. So I've always been leaning towards one path, uh, and that's the path that I'm on. You know, this is the only business I've ever started. I... More than an entrepreneur, I see myself as an industrialist now. And because uh, to become an industrialist, I had to start something. So this is the first thing I've created, and I don't see myself starting anything else outside of running Billy Energy Group. It's absolutely unbelievable that uh, the three of you, out of three of you, two of you are in your first businesses. I mean, that's quite uncommon, but maybe it's a positive thing. Um, for, for people that want to start their own business, it's never too late. Um, you can always just start. And I think that's the big thing. Action is crucial when being an entrepreneur. You've got to get into action as soon as possible and, uh, and get moving from there. Guys, very quickly, uh, we've, we've really enjoyed having all three of you here and, and talking a little bit about your businesses. If you haven't, uh, if you've just tuned in now and you haven't been hearing this, we've been speaking to three amazing entrepreneurs from very different backgrounds doing very different things. You can check out the podcast, www.clip.com cliffcentral.com um, and, and hear these guys' stories. They're absolutely inspiring. Um, very quickly, what is the, the worst, what is the first piece of advice and only piece of advice you'd give someone who wants to be in the entrepreneurial game? You're only allowed to give them one thing. What is it going to be? Very quickly. Let's go. We'll start with you, Bernie. Uh, know what you want early on. Nice. Very nice. Jay? Me. Um, <laughs> Me. Yeah. 
Yes, you, Jay. Yes, you. You're the expert. Um, I don't know. Entrepreneurship's not romantic. I think yeah. know if you're an entrepreneur or not. And it's, it's, it's not something that you have to force. Um, and it's going to be a very small percentage of people that are. So just ask yourself truly what, what you are. All right. Align. Yeah. G? Again, this is going to sound ironic because entrepreneurs are driven by the bottom line and profits. But my little two cents would be don't do it for money. Uh, yeah, if if mm, money is what you're looking mm. for. Going to corporate. Going to corporate. You get paid extremely well for working nine to five. Very nice. Guys, thank you so much. You have all been listening to the most amazing entrepreneurship show. Of course, it is Global Entrepreneurship Week 2014. Uh, It's happening the whole of this week. Uh, Bernard Moshabane from The Hookup Dinner uh, and so much more. Thank you so much for being with us. It's been really, really interesting. Go check out The Hookup Dinner on Twitter. All the details are on my Twitter feed. Jay Meyer from Biala, an urbanist. Thank you so much for for joining us and good luck with uh, changing the city. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. And if you haven't been into inner city Johannesburg, you've got to go check out what Jay is doing in Jepistown. It's phenomenal. And Klee Rauleka. Please. No, no, I want this lesson. I want this lesson right now. It's, it's all right. Please. Okay. I'm going to get there. I promise. I promise I will get there as soon as possible uh, from Pellegrine Energy. Check out what they're doing in the renewable, sustainable energy uh, space. It is absolutely phenomenal. And I think to all three of you, you guys dream big. You're going to be big. You are already big. Congratulations. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. You guys rock. Listen, have yourself a fantastic Friday. We'll be back again next week. We are talking about the Zoom. (laughs) We'll see you around. Ciao, ciao.